Now, I know some of you know something about living the small town life. There's a lot of things you can be said for uh, having the small town life. One of the things is you know this to be true, that people in a small town know everything you do even before you do it. They know what's going on in your life even before it happens. Children, listen to me well. You better not do nothing wrong on the way home. Because guaranteed in a small town, mama's already going to know what you did. And she already knows what she's going to do to you. Small town life. I know sometimes that can be kind of frustrating. There can be some difficult things about... That's small town life. But here's I want to give you something as a, just a word of encouragement, uh, maybe a word of hope. Just to hope you keep going just so you know this. Jesus dealt with it, too. Jesus was from a small town. And one day he decides, oh, God's called me to start a ministry. So he goes out and he starts doing miraculous things. Mark tells us, Matthew tells us, Luke tells us, that great book of John tells us that Jesus begins to do miraculous things in people's lives. He's healing people. He's also claiming to be God. He's doing God-like stuff. He's even got a band of brothers now that he's made his own. He says, look, I'm getting you ready. I'm going to send you out one day and you're going to teach everything about me. You're going to teach all the people you come in contact with about everything that I've taught you. In fact, Mark tells us that Jesus went up a mountain and gathered all those, those 12 people there and commissioned them. And you know, if you read your Bible long enough, that anytime we go up a mountain, who are we experiencing? God. Jesus has begun his ministry, is starting to do some God-like things, and everybody knows about it. Mark says after he got on the mountain, he he chose his disciples, his apostles, he went home to that small town. And would you know, as soon as he gets there, there's a crowd already there. So, many, so much so, there's so many people there that meet Jesus that Mark gives those, oh, those just words that just, just hurt your soul. And just, oh, they didn't even have room to eat. God, that was a joke, y'all. Don't be so serious. There were so many people when Jesus got back to his small hometown. So many people had crowded around him. So many people had come to to, to hear him, to, to, to talk about him, to see him, to see if for sure he had been doing these things. So many people, they couldn't even have room to eat. And I'm sure that in that crowd of people, there are some who truly want to hear what this small hometown boy has to say now. There are some who want to see and to hear about the things that he's already done, these miraculous things that they've heard about. And I know there are some people who are just just there because the missus says, get up, we're going, get the donkey ready. But there were all kinds of people there. Wanting something of Jesus. Now, there's two groups that in particular... Mark tells us about. They're the Pharisees, the scribes. These are the religious leaders. These are the people who know Scripture, can tell you what you need to know about the Bible, about faith in God, and so on and so on. These people have heard about the things Jesus has done, and they see him now. Some of them probably remember him growing up. They've heard about him. They see him. They've heard it. 
And the only thing they can think is, you know what? This guy is casting out evil spirits because he has an evil spirit within him. That's what they think about what Jesus is doing. That's not very nice, y'all. Can you believe that a person of faith, would you, would it ever be in your imagination that a Christian could ever think or say something like that about someone else? You haven't been in church very long, huh? The Pharisees, they have their idea that, oh, Jesus, you're just uh, full of some kind of spirit. You're full of some kind of evilness that makes you lets you do all these things. And Jesus says, well, let me tell you what you're full of, brother. Beelzebul. How can an evil spirit cast out an evil spirit? It doesn't even make sense. It doesn't even sound right. Holy Spirit's been a part of this work so far in Jesus' ministry. And unfortunately, those Pharisees, those religious leaders, can't quite get that. So they're the first group that has something to say about who and what Jesus is and what he's been doing. But there's another group that Mark tells us about, a group that you would think we should pay attention to because, well, it's his family. Families are important, aren't they? Families are meaningful. Families where you learn how to live. It's for, for some of us, it's most of us, it's where we learn our faith, for good or for bad. We, we learn so much from our families. And so the family finds out that Jesus has come back home. Now, you just kind of think about how weird that sounds. The family found out, hears that Jesus has come home. So apparently he didn't go home to mama first. And when they hear that he is there, they immediately go to him as well, just like everybody else. But Mark says there's something in particular they're trying to do. They need to get to him. They need to get to him so that they can, if you heard, restrain him. Mark says, and you can imagine Sister Mary, Brother Joseph, and the brothers and the sisters making their way, trying to find out where whose house he's at, trying to get into the crowd so they can restrain him. And you want to know why they want to restrain him? Because they know about what he's done. They've heard about the things he's saying. And they know that everybody else has too. Jesus, people are saying you're crazy. Can you imagine what Mary's had to deal with? What she's had to listen to? You know your boy Jesus, huh? You know what I heard? You know what he said yesterday, right? Can you imagine Jesus' brothers and sisters on the school, schoolyard, playground? Can you imagine stuff they got to put up with? They find out he's there, and they want to go to him so they can restrain him, so they can get him to stop because, Jesus, people are saying you're crazy. Now, before we go on, there's something I always like to make clear. Um, There's Jesus Christ, right? Now, Christ isn't a last name. It's a title. It's the anointed one. So when you say Jesus Christ, what you are saying is Jesus is the anointed one, right? It's not like there's Mary and Joseph Christ. It's not a last name, right? Now, we call ourselves Christians, right? And if you take off the I-A-N-S, you'll have the word 
Christ, which means we follow Christ, which you take it a little bit further. And we understand that as Christians, we are actually little Christs. So that means whatever Jesus said, whatever Jesus did as little Christs ourselves, guess what we do? We're clear. So here's what uh, Jesus family is really concerned with. What the people are saying is he is crazy. Quite literally, what they are saying is he is beside himself. What the text says. And, And what that seems to imply is if you are beside yourself, that means you've lost something about who you are. You're standing beside yourself with whatever that is that you've lost of your real person. What they're saying about you, Jesus, is that you've lost your mind. You've lost something about yourself. And friends, I hope you're listening to me today. Because as I see it, there are a couple of things that Jesus has lost. That maybe as little Christ, if we could lose, something great would happen in our lives, in the life of the church. You see, Jesus was beside himself. And part of that meant is that he lost his sense of fear of what other people thought about him. You think Jesus didn't hear people call him crazy? You think Jesus didn't see some of the people in the corner murmuring as he walked through? You think he didn't understand what people were saying about him? But he lost his fear of what other people thought about him. We got too many Christians running around worried about what other people think. Is God good? Has God done anything good in your life? Then why are you and I so willing to let people take that away from us because we're so worried about what people might think? If God is so good, you'd be willing to tell somebody. Sadly, we don't so many times because we worry about what they're going to think. Jesus was beside himself. He lost that fear. He didn't even care if you thought he was a real Messiah. There are several times, at least one time in particular, people said, oh, Jesus, this stuff's too hard. We're out of here. And you know what Jesus said? Vaya con Dios. Wouldn't want to be you. Lost this fear of what others think about him. And as you see, he's able to live differently because of it. He also lost his concern about what other people say about him. If he hadn't gone out of his mind, if he wasn't beside himself with that, then when those Pharisees stood up and said, you've got the spirit of Beelzebul in you, then maybe Jesus would have cowered some. He would have cowered away and said, OK, look, guys, I'm, I'm sorry. Just hear me out a little bit. But that's not at all what Jesus did. In fact, Jesus says, no, let me tell you something. I've been in the desert with Satan. I've handled the strong man. I've taken him on and I have beaten him. 
And so I'm standing in front of you now, knowing that you know everything I've done, knowing that you know about the things I've said. And I want you to know, I know who I am. And I know who you are, too. He wasn't concerned what people had to say about him because he knew that he was called by God to do what he was doing. People are going to say whatever they're going to say, folks. You could have all the best intentions. You can do all the right things. And guess what? That's still not going to make everybody happy. That concern shouldn't be of ours of what people have to say. Our concern is being committed to God. See, it seems that Jesus has lost maybe that part of him that would also hold back his life from God. He was willing to commit himself entirely to do everything that God had called him to do. We're back in Mark chapter 3. If you know, you know the story. If you go back a little more, people don't just start... They don't just end by saying things. They end by doing things. And he knew it was going to happen. He knew what they thought about him. He knew what they were saying about him. He knew what was going to happen. Y'all with me? You still want to wear that little cross around your neck? You still want to have that little fish on your car? You still want to call yourself a Christian? You still want to come to a Christian church? You still want to say you believe in God? Stop being fearful of what other people think. Stop being concerned about what other people might say. And be ready to commit all of your life just like the big Christ did. Not too quick to amen that, are you? That's who we've been called to be. That's what we've been called to do. That is the life that we have been called to. The good news is when we make those kind of commitments, when we get beside ourselves, as difficult as that can be, friends, I want you to hear what Jesus said again. We are his family. With joy, perhaps with pride, He says, that is a brother of mine. That is a sister of mine, and I thank God for my family. It's funny. I don't know if you realize this, but um, you see, how many weeks are there in a year? If you count up 52 a year, if you count in some Holy Week services, if you count in some uh, special services here and there, you guys have heard at least 150 sermons from this big mouth right here. You can stop laughing now, okay? Now, here's the thing. I don't know. If you think about all those sermons, think about all the things we've been able to be a part, all the ways that we've been able to to, to work with God together. 
I have no idea what you will remember from those 150 sermons plus. Who knows? You might remember something like this. See if this works now. Yeah. You might remember cleaning out the church and giving stuff away and all the fun work that went behind that. Or you might remember working at the food pantry. You might remember my mad kickball skills. Or that I was mad I didn't have kickball skills. I don't remember. You might remember these. You might remember this guy yelling at all the games. Or this guy. He's real, y'all. I don't know what you're going to remember. You'll probably remember a lot of things. But as I think about the life that Jesus lived, and as I think about the life that God wants us to live, if I could sum it all up, there's one thing that I hope you will always remember about our ministry together. Now, this is a song that's very meaningful to me. Um, it's a song I heard a long time ago that just has been impactful in my life. It's been powerful for me. Uh, the words are so meaningful. And I think about um, closing one door of ministry. Because um, I think about one thing I want you to know. Um, I can't sing it, but luckily we have somebody who can. Um, if you'll just pretend she's me real quick. And just listen for one thing I want you to remember.
light can find you in the dark, and only He can make your blind eyes see. If we speak of lost things found, or lives that have been turned around, then tell me who knows better, child, than me. If there's one thing I know, you are never left alone. You can always call on Jesus' name. And if there's one thing I pray, Jesus helps you find a way to make a change and listen to your heart. God will take away your pain if you choose to let it go. If there's one thing I know. On any lesser thing Than the cross of Christ Where he gave his life To ease my suffering And if there's one thing I know You are never left alone You can always call on Jesus' name if there's one thing I pray, Jesus helps you find a way to make a change. Just listen to your heart. God will take away your pain if you choose to let it go. If there's one thing I know. The one thing that has had the most power in my life is knowing that I am a part of the family of God. And I hope that is the one thing that will change your life, too. Amen. Amen. Sisters and brothers, we have.